0: This is Visan's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke.
2: Okay, it is time to preview the entire slate of NFL Week 14 here on Visan's Pro Football Betting Podcast. You know me, I'm your host, Danny Burke, and you can follow along on Twitter. At Danny Burke 5. But our special guest who's here to preview every Sunday slate, and he's been crushing it this year, it is Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa, where you can follow him along on Twitter. Uh, Mike, we got a very eventful Sunday slate to look forward to. So, like I said, Mike and I will preview every game from start to finish, talk about line openers, where they've moved, our best bets, and more. Uh, but before we do that, let's keep up the tradition with. Kind of just updating this Survivor contest, which is always what I think is probably the most fascinating contest. The circuit Millions is fun to track, but Survivor, there's so much strategy and publicity centered around it. And, uh, well, it didn't seem like too much nonsense happened last week. Uh, what was it, only one person eliminated from the contest last week?
1: Yeah, we went from 71 to 70. One person had the Jaguars. He went against us in our Lions, Danny, and they paid the price, but... Uh, So we still have 70 left going into this week. That's right. Hey, if Mike and I are on a
2: side, don't be fading (laughs) us. It's not going to work out too well. Ain't that right? (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's tough. You you, got to think that person, that was the only selection they had left. And I, I guess that's what, you know, at this point, again, not that many people have been eliminated the last couple of weeks. But now it gets to the strategic part right what teams do you have saved and that's when it's really going to come down to the wire and as we look at the slate and the teams who would fit the bill for this week Mike certainly the Cowboys against the Texans would make a lot of sense but you know that was a popular pick on Thanksgiving in some other weeks um, some other spots again most people have probably used Philly but they're laying seven in a division game on the road against the Giants not ideal Buffalo, a lot of people have probably used, but they're laying double digits at home in a revenge spot against the Jets. And then you've got the Chiefs on the road against the Denver Broncos, which seems like would be a viable opportunity. Otherwise, it's pretty narrow with some of these spreads, Mike. Uh, so what do you think in terms of what will be the most popular selection?
1: Well, probably if you have the Cowboys left, you're going to use them uh, in this spot. You're not going to get too big a... Of- more teams that are going to be favored, you know, by more than two touchdowns um, and not everybody used them on Thanksgiving. So there's some left with the Cowboys. Not many have the bills left at all. I think it's less than mm-hmm. five. I think those that didn't use the chiefs uh, against the Rams might've been saving them for this spot uh, against Denver, this lowly Denver team, even uh, without G- Lamar Jackson, Baltimore still came back and won that game. So, I mean, their his- historic pace for, offensive futility. So I think Dallas and the chiefs uh, are going to be used heavily this week. I, I would, who have the chiefs left. Maybe eight people. I think something like that. Okay. All
2: right. Well, we'll be sure to look forward to it. Always exciting to see that contest come down to the wire. All right, Mike, let's step into it. Our preview for every game on the week 14 Sunday slate. Let's begin with this NFC North matchup. That seen quite the interesting movement Between the Lions and the Vikings, Minnesota early on opened up as the favorite, minus three in some shops. But now that's completely reversed, and we've seen Detroit flip to the favorite. They got up to as high as two and a half, although now it's kind of come down a little bit. By the way, Mike and I are recording this on Thursday evening, so if anything crazy happens and we're late to it, that is why. But as of this moment, minus one and a half seems to be the consensus number out in Las Vegas in favor of Detroit total open 51 in the hook you still see it at 51 in the hook Uh, the vikings have won this season nine games by one score last year if you remember they lost 14 games by one score and the last three games that these two teams have played mike the average winning margin has been 2.7 points it's really remarkable and minnesota has won the last two out of three games between these two squads I I lean toward the idea of teasing up Minnesota. That's the way that I would look to play this game. Uh, the Lions have won their last three out of four. You and I cashed in on them last week. And, you know, I, I mean, we liked them, but we probably didn't think it would be that comfortable of a margin. Uh, the Lions have averaged 32 points per game in their last four games. They now lead the NFL in red zone efficiency offensively, scoring a touchdown upon entering the red zone 74% of the time. They have an advantage going against the Vikings, who are surrendering six yards per play this season. However, Detroit is allowing the most yards per play at 6.2. Their second-to-last in defensive red zone efficiency is Detroit. And uh, the Vikings doing pretty well when they find themselves in the red zone. So, Mike, again, the only thing I would do here would be looking to tease up the Minnesota Vikings. And in fact, I did do that. I was trying to remember. I did a little bit earlier in the week. I paired them with another team, which we'll get into. But uh, based on the teaser I had to do, I got Minnesota up to plus nine and a half. Even if they don't win, you got to think it's within
1: a touchdown. Uh, Maybe. I mean, Dallas beat them by a million. Uh, You know, remember, I didn't see many games on Sunday or I didn't see any. I've only watched... Highlights and replays of a few because I was in at Universal Studios But I know Mitch Moss text me that he also had the Jets plus three I teased the Jets on another ticket that won but I had more money on the straight bet plus the three and I didn't see the game I was just following along on the phone. I mean they kicked what five field goals and he said it was it might have yeah. been his most frustrating loss uh, of the season having the Jets uh, last week. So again, the Vikings you know, narrowly escape and, and win a one-score game. I know mean, the Lions are playing real well right now. They win that game against Buffalo. They don't mismanage that final offensive drive. You know, They're looking at six and six. Uh, and although they're still in the playoff hunt, they'd be in a lot better shape had they won that game. Uh, I lean Lions here. I wish it was the other way, actually. I wish I would have pounced on this opening number two and a half or three and teased the Lions up because I would feel actually more comfortable getting the Lions at plus nine than Minnesota at plus nine. Where it stands, it's probably the right number, and that total is high, but I think there's a lot of points in this game. Um, Maybe a Lions team total, Danny. What's a a Lions team total? It's not 27, 26?
2: Um, All right, so I got total touchdowns, three and a half for Detroit. If you think they go over, it's plus 145. Total points, 26 and a half for Detroit 25 and
1: a half for Minnesota I would go over 26 and a half for Detroit I think they're going to score points now does Minnesota score the 30s does Minnesota score you know 24 27 and cover your teaser very possibly but I would look at the Lions team total over here so they need 27 to win that bet okay
2: Alright, we'll count you in then for over 26 and a half, minus 115 for the Detroit Lions and their offensive production against their NFC North rivals. Again, I teased up Minnesota in that spot, thinking they'll have a, uh, a good opportunity at least to keep it close. Uh, Mike, the other game that I did pair it with, now I did two separate teasers, oh. but the one with the Vikings I did do with the Buffalo Bills as they take on the Jets. So again, this number now is at 10. Uh, it was at 9, the nine and a half earlier this week, so uh, hopefully it could come back down so you have the option to tease them but i had to do the seven point teaser to get them under the key number of three this is a revenge spot for buffalo right they got embarrassed the last time they played the jets josh allen went 18 of 34 205 yards um he had two rushing touchdowns 86 rushing yards so we had a good good game in terms of what he did mobility wise but in the passing effort no bueno for allen But he picked it up the last go-around against New England, a top-three passing defense, and finally gotten a rhythm. And I feel like he's going to be able to do that against this Jets team. And look, Mike White, is he better than Wilson? Sure, but I'm not ready to go nuts about him, especially in this revenge spot for Buffalo. So even though it's a division matchup, even though the Jets' defense has been pretty solid, I think Buffalo should be able to get the job done by at least three points in this spot, Mike.
1: Yeah, I like your tease there. I'm not going to play this game at all. Uh, I need more. I need to see more out of Mike White before I, I'm going to make a decision on playing these games. I'm, I'm frustrated by the fact that they were so bad in the red zone uh, against a, a bad Minnesota defense. Um, so the revenge angle is the strong angle here, I think, and and the fact that they were so inept. And Allen had probably the worst game of the last couple years uh, when he played against them last time. So I don't disagree with your tease. I don't have a play on the game. Yeah, and
2: then really quick, a couple numbers too. So the Jets, when they get in the red zone, they're only getting a touchdown just 48.7% of the time. In the last three games, it's at 22%. So uh, aside from New England being at 0%, the last three games, the Jets have been the worst in that span. And defensively, the Bills, one of the best. They're actually third defensively in the red zone. So it uh, may a tough outing. For Mike White and I get why you need to see a little bit more from the kid but yeah so I teased down Buffalo to minus two and a half and then teased up Minnesota to plus nine and a half I do have another teaser involving Buffalo which we'll get to a little bit later down the slate but let's go ahead and move on to this game oh my god you know I I don't even again we have we have a team every week Mike where we can't talk about it because they screw us and actually it's the same team back-to-back weeks it's the Baltimore Ravens killing our teaser they couldn't win by a field goal or more against the Broncos. This week, they have a division matchup on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers who, hey, they're keeping you alive there with their win total bet. And they may be able to add to it now against the banged up Baltimore team. So uh, with Lamar Jackson in mind, meaning he was playing, the Ravens open up four and a half. But now we know that it's going to be Tyler Huntley and Pittsburgh has opened or then rather moved to a two point favorite, two and a half in some shops. Uh, Total now down to 36 in the hook. So yes, Mike and I uh, had some teasers involved with Baltimore and they won by one. Mike, I don't know what you ended up doing. I actually live bet Baltimore on that that last drive at like plus 215 and plus 210. I think I got a little piece of to help salvage. It didn't make up for it completely, but I was like, you know what? Denver is going to find a way to lose. It was going to be the perfect scenario to where Baltimore would win. My teaser would not cash, but they would find a way to win. So I luckily live bet and, you know, fortunately Huntley came through against the most frustrating team in the NFL. But uh, the question to you here is what is the difference from Huntley to Jackson and how does that affect your bet for this game?
1: I'm not sure if I would have laid four and a half with them with Jackson. I'm not sure because this game is just like a three. No matter what, this game shouldn't be more than a three because of these two teams. It's just always competitive, throw out the records. Um, I I don't know if he's not worth more than that. I mean, seven might be worth more than that. The total, so low. I'd love to play this game under, you know, 39, but it's it's long gone because of Huntley. So I have action in the form of my future bet on the Steelers, so I hope they can keep it going and keep me alive here going into the last month.
2: You know, Mike, uh, I think you got a good chance in this game. I mean, everything we've seen from Baltimore up to this point with Lamar Jackson in the mix, and now it's, again, a division game on the road against Tomlin, and you're without Lamar Jackson. I don't have the utmost confidence in Baltimore I was considering teasing them at first, but it really wouldn't shock me if Pittsburgh just kind of, you know, closed this thing out late, how so many teams have capitalized against the Baltimore Ravens in the latter stages of the game. And Kenny Pickett's finally getting a rhythm in Baltimore's defense. Don't care what I saw with the Broncos. They, they don't even count toward the stats. But every other team has found a way to move the ball against them at some point in the game. Um, I, I kind of with you though, too, like the total's incredibly low at 36 in the hook, but I really think it's going to be a very low scoring affair. Uh, maybe we'll hope for a live game opportunity, a live bet opportunity throughout the game, kind of assuming that, or hoping that one of these teams can get a quick score. But, uh, I hear your position. I'll root for the Steelers for you though. You know, well, we're kind of, it's a tough spot though, because then you have the Ravens win total too, and you got the Steelers win total. So <laughs> I, I,
1: I don't, I have much less breathing room with the Steelers. Uh, Danny, I need them to keep winning. I, I keep going back and thinking about that Thursday night game in Miami where where Pickett got picked yeah. off twice, twice in the last three minutes, where they could have won that game with a touchdown. I'd be in a a lot different position if, if they had come through there. Very true. <laughs> All right. Well,
2: let's move on to the uh, NFC East next, Mike. We've got the Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, the G-Men, a home underdog of seven points. Total has ticked up, actually, from 43 to some shops, having it at 45, something you typically don't see with a Giants game. But a lot of that production comes on the side of Philly. I'm sure this will be a popular teaser leg, getting Philly down. I got nothing here. I could understand any side of the coin, considering the Eagles are the better team. But in division games, laying that many points, it's it's always a little bit trickier.
1: That's the first leg of my teaser, uh, Danny, is is teasing uh, the Eagles down to one. I'm, I'm playing the six-point teaser here. So first leg is Eagles minus one. Okay. All righty. And uh, let me ask you
2: this. So do you think at any point the Giants are going to give you a scare here? Do you think it's going to be the Eagles controlling it from start to finish?
1: I, I don't know that the Giants' defense is good enough to force consecutive possessions where the Eagles don't score. I just I, I, the, the banged up the secondary – I thought the Eagles were impressive last week. They're starting to get back into that rhythm. You know, they had a kind of a two-game funk where a bunch of stuff went against them on that Monday night game, and they couldn't get Washington off the field. And then uh, they weren't very good. I think they played worse than that in Indianapolis, and Hurts sort of bailed them out with his legs. But they're coming back into their own now, ahead of this big matchup with Dallas coming up, uh, which is going to be for a lot. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot in the NFC will ride on, on that game. Um, so I, I think they're rounding back into shape here. Seven, if this game was like six, uh, I might lay the six. I don't want to lay the full touchdown and have to win by two scores, so I put him in a teaser.
2: All right, Mike, let's move on to the Bengals and the Browns next. I am very fascinated with this game, and I am very curious your thoughts because I'm kind of halfway in between and was going to see if you'd maybe convince me either to bet it or stay away, but since he opened up four, I guess it hit seven. I don't know. I saw some people, uh, some guests on one of the VEASAN shows had seven. Maybe he bought up, but the most I saw was like six in favor of Cincinnati. But nevertheless, it's down to five and a half now in favor of the Bengals. But Joe Burrow is 0 4 against the Browns in his career somehow, right? He dominates the Chiefs, but can't overcome Cleveland. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we know, is in there in the starting role. He looked awful against the Texans, right? He was 12 22 for a buck 31 in the air. A career-low 53.4 passer rating. Cleveland didn't score an offensive touchdown. Mike, you pointed it out several times. Like, how are you going to trust Watson? He hasn't played in about two years. And, well, it showed in that game against Houston. And I feel like it could show, maybe not to that extent, but I feel like he could struggle against a better defense in a team that's hungry to finally beat you with their quarterback, Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, I like the Bengals here in this spot. Revenge factor. They were awful on Monday night against the Browns. Watson didn't show me. He played like you would have thought he would play. I don't know if he'll even get into form by the end of the season. But, uh, you know, a lot of people had the Browns at Houston in the Survivor. And they got a real sweat how bad Watson played. But, you know, the Texans, are just, they're just the worst team in football. So uh, they were able to get by him here. I think there's revenge on the Bengals' mind. I think they really want to pound the Browns here and stick it to him. Burrow needs to overcome this, this mm-hmm. albatross he has in the Browns. Um, I like five. I know the number's five and a half now, but so that's fine as well uh, for the purposes of this show as a pick, five and a half.
2: So that's why, you know, and there are some books that do have five, so we can can mark it down for five there. Um, I was going to say what I was also kind of curious about, because you and I talk about hating to bet games where the number's at five, but is that just more of a testament to either where you think the number's going to end up slash – Kind of just how much confidence you have in Cincy, basically, or
1: I, I would lay six here too. I think this is gonna. I don't think this game's gonna be close, Danny. You know, I would not tease the Browns. Let's put it that way. I, I think that Cincinnati will, yeah. will put the foot on me. I think Watson will turn the ball over. They're playing really well right now. The Bengals. There, I think they're playing better than they did in their Super Bowl run last year.
2: I agree, and I do like Cincy in this spot too, so that's where I was leaning. The reason I hadn't played is because I wanted to hear your thoughts, but Mm -hmm. also for maybe the chance that this number would come down, but – I don't think it's going to get below five, considering five and a halfs are the most popular line out right now. So, you know what? I'll join you on that play because I do like the Bengals a lot. So, you and I will be riding minus five with Cincy together. So, count me in for that. Hopefully, we get another result like we did last week with our Detroit Lions play. But Mike and I are going to be sweating out Cincy minus five against their division foe, the Cleveland Browns. All right, moving along, let's take it to Tennessee. The Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence hasn't practiced a couple days this week with his toe injury. However, he said he plans on playing. Uh, he's already been kind of a volatile quarterback, to put it nicely, and now he's coming in with the injury. I don't know how well he's going to do. Mike, this game opened up three in the hook in favor of Tennessee. Some shops went to four. Some have come back down to three in the hook. Total open 42.5. Now it's down to 41. Uh, I do have a play in this game, but I'll let you take the floor first if you've got anything that interests you.
1: It's a funny number here because you would think Tennessee would be like six to me. So the number scares me a little bit. Also, this odd move firing the general manager in the middle of the year when you're in a playoff position is a very strange, strange things going on there in Tennessee right now. I'd love to play Tennessee here, but I think I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach and maybe look for an end game number.
2: So that's exactly how I was thinking about it. Tennessee should be the right side. I love the plan, but the number screams just awkward, kind of sketchy spot, right? So I was doing a little bit digger or uh, doing a little bit deeper digging, is what I meant to say. And, you know, I'm looking at DVOA and these first half offenses is what stood out. And Tennessee's fifth in the first half offense, 31st in the second half. Jacksonville defensively is 28th in both regards. Uh, the Titans averaging of over 13 first half points per game. They're allowing less than nine. Jacksonville averaging just over 10 first half points. However, seven and a half over their last three games. And defensively, they're allowing about 13 first half points per game and over 17 their last three games. So doing it even deeper and deeper, the Titans 8-3-1 and one straight up in the first half with an average winning margin when they've won the first half of 9.4 points. They're 8-4 ATS. And so the spread, most books have three, but Bet Rivers out here had two in the hook. And I laid two in the hook with Tennessee on the first half spread. I took a little piece of the money line, but, you know, for the show yeah. purposes, it will give out minus two and a half. Um, a- again, then they have the big winning margin there. They've been a great first half team. They've won the first half by at least four or more each time they've been leading. And then on the other side, Jacksonville has an average first half losing, losing margin of 98 so the only times they've lost and have covered is when they lost by two to the Giants. Any other time they've lost, it's been by more than three points. So I think the Titans get out to a good start considering they got embarrassed pretty bad against Philadelphia. And Jacksonville got embarrassed, yes, but Jacksonville's also just a horrendous team. And Trevor Lawrence is coming in a little bit banged up. I think because they fired the GM, they'll come with a little bit of a spark. And Tennessee, with those numbers included, uh, have the advantage here in the first half, Mike.
1: Did you play the first half money line, Danny?
2: Uh, I just threw a little bit like just a tad bit on it for security in case they somehow didn't cover. But minus two and a half is my official play.
1: What's the juice on the two and a half?
2: The two and a half was minus 115. Only, huh? That's strange. I know. So that's why I was surprised (laughs) because most books had three. And then I'm looking at Bet Rivers and they had minus two and a half, minus 115. I assumed it'd be like minus 130 or something Mm -hmm. like that. And at the minus three, I probably still would have got there or considered, you know, because some spots, well, most of them have the availability of doing, you know, uh, you're, be- you're backing one side or the other, and you have the opportunity to bet a tie, right? But then if you bet your team and it ties, you lose your bet, but you get a discounted price where it was like minus 150. So I decided about that and I was like, and ah, nah, I'll just go with the spread. And then a little bit at like minus 170 was the cheapest first half money line price I saw, but yeah, minus two and a half at Bat Rivers, so uh, make sure you shop around. But it did look like most books out by you opened two in the hook, and now they're at three. But I would still play it at three. What do you What do you think about that approach, though, for the first half?
1: I like that you got two and a half. I think that's right. When the number goes to four, then they have to go to three uh, on the first half. If it's a three and a half, then you can make it two and a half or three. So uh, I like it. I like it for you. I'm going to wait and see. I just I just have a funny feeling about this game. Yeah,
2: I hear you. I hear you. All right, speaking of, well, just could be funny in general, how about the Texans catching as high as 18 points, although consensus is 17 and a half, as the Texans are on the road in Jerry World against the Cowboys. Uh, Brandon Cook's out, by the way, for his second consecutive week. Total open 47 and a half. Now it's down to 44 and a half. Mike, I've got nothing here. I don't know. When there's these games with these biggest spreads, I feel like you consider the underdog, but if they're that big of an underdog. Can you really trust them?
1: That's interesting. What did the Cowboys score? Like 30 some points in the fourth quarter against the Colts Sunday night. And what was it? It was a close game. And then all of a sudden they were covering easily. Uh, I want no part of this game. I don't, you know, this could be 55 to nothing. I don't know. It could be, you know, 27 to, to 13. It could, you know, who knows what it's going to be. Dallas will chalk up another window as they make their pursuit of Philadelphia. Dallas might end up like 13 and 4 and be the 5 seed. That's that's going to be the sad part for them. You know what I mean? They'll have to go and play it like the, the the 7 and 10 bucks or something and probably get beat
2: right i was gonna say so i feel like that would give us a good opportunity then with this squad like dallas could end up with a great record and everybody's gonna have the narrative around prescott but isn't a lot of it just them beating up on inferior teams and that's gonna fool people in the postseason well
1: it has been a little bit but they did go to minnesota and they crushed minnesota and they outside of the second quarter they played well in philadelphia remember philadelphia outscored like 20 nothing in the second quarter dallas really won the second half of that game. Yeah. I don't know if it was Philadelphia taking their foot off the gas or not. I think they're pretty good. I mean, they they dominated the, the, the commanders. I guess that was still uh, Wentz then. But they dominated the commanders in Dallas in that game. I think they're a pretty decent team. They can rush the passer. I just, you know, over and over you watch them fail in the playoffs.
2: All right. So Mike and I got nothing there. Uh, yeah, but I'm with you though. I mean, we'll see what McCarthy and uh, Dak Prescott can do in yeah. the postseason, but that's a conversation for another time. As we continue on for this upcoming Sunday, let's move ahead now to Denver hosting Kansas City. This is the other leg of my teaser. I told you I had Buffalo in Minnesota. The other one is Buffalo and teasing down Kansas City. I know Denver screwed our teaser this past week, although I got to attribute that more so to the uh, Baltimore Ravens being inept and Lamar Jackson getting injured. But look, I mean, it's still at nine and a half. So I did the seven-point teaser. But if the Chiefs aren't beating the Broncos by at least three points, what the hell are we doing? I mean, Denver's tied with New England for the worst red-zone offensive efficiency, scoring a touchdown upon entering the red zone just 37 and a half percent of the time. Chiefs are fifth best at 66 percent. And again, it's just Mike. This team is so so bad that there's no way they could keep up with this Chiefs offense. I just, again, I don't see how the Broncos make this competitive. Their defense is going to have a bend-don't-break mentality. And let's be honest, against Mahomes, you're probably going to break. So I tease them to minus two and a half.
1: I like that for you. Um, this reminds me of, like, them playing the Rams. Like, there's a team that can't beat them. And and with the Rams, it's because everybody's injured. With Denver, it's because Wilson's that bad. Um, but, like, what what is Denver going to do? I mean, they can't get to 20. Like, if they have 17, that's a huge game for them. Mahomes is going to score in the mid-20s or higher. Um, this is like one of these games, if you were, for me, I would put it in a money line parlay or something like that um, or do one of these bigger teasers, or something like that. But uh, um, I like your play. So you have it with the Bills, huh, those other, like,
2: yeah, so, um, so I got the Bills down to 2.5, Chiefs down to 2.5, and, and then in the other one, I got the yeah. Bills minus 2.5 and, yeah. and Vikings plus 9.5. Now, I did look yeah. at yeah. doing, say, the money line Parlay because sometimes when you do these yeah. favorites, you get a better price. But, I mean, the Bills and the Chiefs, and it's at 2.5, it, it was still laying a hefty amount. So that's why the teaser ultimately on the seven points was a cheaper
1: option to play. You could look at here, Bills chiefs Bengals on a money line parlay if you wanted to do something like that with the pricing but it, anyhow i don't have a play on the game
2: no i like that approach too and i was kind of yeah, considering that with like tennessee and cincinnati at first when i liked them but didn't like the yeah. number but uh yeah tennessee might be that sketchy team in there so yeah since he's probably the better option <laughs> all right mike uh help me make sense of this game here seattle and carolina now the seahawks opened as high as a seven point favorite yet now it's down to three and a half at several shops, still in favor of the Seahawks, naturally, but the Panthers catching some love in the market, and so is the over. Open 43 and a half. Now it's up to 44 in the hook. Uh, Deontay Foreman and Kenneth Walker are questionable in terms of running backs. By the way, if if Kenneth Walker can't like Foreman being out, look, you got Chuba Hubbard, so the Panthers will be fine. But the Seahawks are really thin at the running back position. And Walker's been such a success for them on that side of the ball that it would maybe be a little concerning. I, I I don't know. I just I'm a little shocked that maybe it's either why the number opened so high or why there's so much movement. But Seattle has looked like a team we kind of envisioned them being before the year. But I mean, come on, it's still the Panthers, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to believe the numbers this cheap now because Seattle's still in the thick of the playoff race in the NFC. Right. And Carolina doesn't have much to play for other than the guys are playing for their pride and for their contracts next year. The line movement is crazy. Maybe the opened a little high, but to, to move three points, three and a half points. I don't really want any part of the game. This is another wonky game to me, just like the Titans. Yes. Seattle gives up a lot of points. I mean, I could see Carolina running the ball successfully here and, you know, and I understand. I mean, I'm an under guy, but I would look over here if anything.
2: Yeah. And that total did move to the over 43 and a half to 44 and a half. Some 44s are out there. I do think Seattle pulls it out, but Mike, I just don't think it's worth getting involved pre-flop because if this line's moving down and if Seattle's going to keep playing like this team that can't maintain leads and win comfortably, then they're probably going to give you a better opportunity for a cheaper price or line on them. So that's probably what I'll wait to do. Uh, San Francisco and Tampa Bay next. Uh, How about Brock Purdy, baby? I'm now a Brock Purdy guy, considering I got my 49ers future plus 550 to win the NFC. The worst thing that could have happened, Jimmy G going out. But look, we were saying this on Live Bet Sunday because it was hilarious, and I was saying this in the other show, but like, you know, Brock Purdy was going in and Jeff Parles is cracking up because he was or Irrelevant. He's like, no way, I'm going to fade him. I'm going to fade him. And I'm like, well, Jeff, because Ben Wilson and I were on Sam Fran live bet. And I'm like, Jeff, here's the thing. Like with Shanahan, he's an offensive guru, right? A, a lot of people you could plug in there and play and do fairly well. But more importantly... There's a specific type of quarterback that Shanahan has on his roster. He doesn't just have Purdy to have him. There's something he likes. And Shanahan's system isn't necessarily something where you have to make amazing throws downfield and be Superman. You have enough athletes around you. You can do these crosses, these slants, these little type of plays to get the yardage. And that'll work fine in the schemes that he has. Especially, again, with the weapons you have like Debo Samuel, Kittle, McCaffrey, and all those guys But then you also have the best defense in the NFL on the other side of the ball. So I think Purdy can get by in the regular season. Playoffs are obviously another discussion. But this leads you to wonder, hey, is it worth laying three in the hook with them against Tampa Bay because of how the Bucs have looked? I would say no because I want to see now a a full week of preparation for Purdy and the team against him. But this line opened six with the indication of Garoppolo reopened four at circuit looked like. And then now it's down to three in the hook. By the way, total from 41 to 37 in the hook. Uh, Tom Brady and company should be the right play here catching over a field goal, right? Like they should be, but I I don't know. It's just, they they refuse to be successful from start to finish. It's only when they're in a hurry up offense can they have success.
1: They're terrible. Tampa Bay is terrible. (laughs) It's criminal what Dennis Allen did. And it's not just Dennis Allen's fault. What is Ingram doing? He's running alone in the flat. If he Mm -hmm. gets the first down there, they can run off another. Either that, they make him use all three timeouts, or they run two more minutes off the clock. I think they would likely have to have used their timeouts. The game's over. They win the game. There's no one around him, and he darts to the right and goes out of bounds. (laughs) And then on third and one, you throw the ball. How stupid. Anyhow, it was sickening. And I I win the game. I had the Saints in three and a half. I had the Saints Mm -hmm. in teasing. I mean, it was never a doubt, but it's sickening. They could have lost that game. Look, I like San Francisco here, but I don't like the hook. Uh, I think this could be a very low-scoring, competitive game. You know Brock Purdy started for four years, okay? He's different than some kid that played at North Carolina for six games or something like that. And going into his senior year, Danny, Brock Purdy was a favorite to be a top-10 pick. People forget that. He was minus 160 to be a top-10 pick going into his senior year, which he didn't have as good a year as he had had in his sophomore and junior years. I think Purdy will be fine. You know, that numbers, uh, that that hook, I don't know.
2: Um, Do you lay the minus 120 at the flat three or wait to see if it just comes down to three?
1: I wouldn't mind laying the minus 120. I think Tampa Bay will really struggle to score. I, I, I wouldn't doubt if Tampa Bay has three points at halftime like they did on Monday True. night. They're coming off a short week again too. A lot of things say San Francisco here. Somehow I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'll be on the 49ers. I just don't know how yet.
2: Okay. So pending bet on San Francisco, potentially for Mike Paul, Uh, I I get it. Like again, like catching three in the hook against Purdy, you should be able to cover that with the weapons you have in Tampa, but we've said this week and week again, (laughs) and they just can't do it. So uh, I I understand. Look, you're right. I mean, best defense in the NFL, they limited the Dolphins with their (laughs) speedy receivers. Every defense is limited Tampa Bay, so why can't they do it again, especially when they know they have to even more so without their starting quarterback? So uh, I get it. Should be a fun one to watch, though. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Miami Dolphins. This is Sunday Night Football, Mike. I think I'll get involved with a prop in some capacity, but I don't have anything pre-flop. Open pick, Miami's now up to three. You're laying juice, though, on a three, about minus 120. Total anywhere from 51.5 to 52.5 out there. Mike Williams was a full participant in practice, so completely different dynamic, at least I guess I think. I know you're anti-chargers, but if you get Williams and Keenan Allen out there, at least they have a puncher's chance. I wouldn't take a side Mike. I would just be looking to bet the total over. I don't know if it's just like an obvious dumb play, though, to do it pre-flop, So that's why I may just wait and see if it gets a little bit better, if there's no scoring immediately. What's your take on this spot?
1: Here's my tease through the zero here and take Miami plus three mm. in this spot because I want a six-point teaser for the payout here. I don't think the three to four is as irrelevant. Uh, and a one to zero is not with the Eagles. Um, the Chargers are losers. They're, they're, they will find a way to lose. I think Tua has to bounce back from a bad his first bad game. You could argue his first bad game all year. Uh, in San Francisco, they stay out west. I think they put up a ton of points. I like your overplay as well. But I think Miami gets into the 30s in this game. Now maybe it's a shootout, you know, and it comes down to a field goal one way or the other. But uh, but I really think Miami wins this game, and so. I'm. I i have not I think I'm five and one or six and zero oh doing this unconventional, non-Wong type teaser, and I'm going to put the Eagles with Miami. Okay. Hey,
2: I, I get it, man. I mean, like, look. Even if the Chargers do find a way to win, it's probably going to come down to a field goal. You're yeah. thinking of getting over that key number of three. So I hear you, and you're right. You have been crushing it when you do that. Uh, let me ask you one thing, really quick, just in the more macro sense here. For Miami. Now, based on what you saw with Tua last week, what's kind of your conversation surrounding that? Because everybody's just discussing it and going, ah, Tua's not for real anymore. He's not the MVP, blah, 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 blah. I, look, it's the best defense in San Francisco. It was, you know, the master versus the pedal right? When he had Shanahan and Mike McDaniels. I, I'm not surprised for to see him play like that because this was a true test for him. And it wasn't against an... A just terrible defense that doesn't know what to do with Waddle and Hill. But you finally saw Tua kind of come back to reality and and play like those issues we discussed in the offseason. Missing throws, feeling pressured, looking a little bit afraid, short passes, all of these things. Does this change at all how you think of Tua, maybe in the sense of how deep he can go in the playoffs when he's going against those big boys and pressure situations?
1: But, but who in the AFC... You say Buffalo? I don't think Buffalo's defense is as good as is San Francisco. So I, I look at in the AFC, you don't have to go up with that against that defense. Um, it was a bad game. Let's see what happens. He's entitled to a bad game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't dismiss him because of that. Let's see how he plays this week and, and then let's see how he plays in that Saturday night game uh in Buffalo next week, which is another game for all the Marbles.
2: That is for sure. <laughs> Okay, Mike, before we get to our best bets, uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but just wanted to see if you had any action for Monday night. Cardinals hosting the Patriots, New England a a one-and-a-half point favorite. I always like to get your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury, especially in prime time. So uh,
1: anything that stands out to you here? Well, you know, you think about Belichick against the idiot, and you you (laughs) want to play the Patriots. But it's hard to play the Patriots after they play the Bills because they never do any – the Bills never punted for what, eleven quarters against him? I mean, it, it's ridiculous. How can this happen? They can't ever get him off the field. So it makes you think they're a fraud team. So I still have the taste of watching that in my mouth on Thursday night. So I probably won't yeah. have any action here. And just just, you know, watch for what what bonehead move Kingsbury will do.
2: Yep. <laughs> it'll be uh it'll be always entertaining to see what Cliff Kingsbury does in prime time, especially against the genius in Belichick, that's for sure. All right, Mike. Let's get to it with our best bets. Uh, again, you and I got shafted last week because the Ravens. So you ended up one and two. You cashed in on the Lions. You had your teaser with Dallas minus four, came home. Ravens minus one and a half. They win by one. Brutal. Ravens minus one and a half, and another one, and then the Saints plus ten and a half. Same situation as I did where my other two legs, because I had the Giants teased up and the Bengals teased up, but the Ravens killed me in both of those. So, uh, again, you went 1-2. You're 23-15 overall in the year. I got you down for, what, Cincy minus 5, 6-point teaser, Philly minus 1, Miami plus 3.5, and, and then Lions team total over 26.5. Am I correct?
1: That's right. Those are my plays, Danny.
2: All right, and then a potential play with the 49ers. So TBD. Yeah. Uh, check out vs.com or the Best Bets log page to see what Mike's official plays are as they're updated throughout the weekend. Uh, last week, Mike, uh, I ended up from Sunday to Monday. I went 3 and 3, had Bucks and Saints first half under 20 in the hook. Lions, money line, cashed on that with you. Hurts over 18 and a half completions, even money. We cashed on that again, the two teasers I lost on. And then Derrick Henry over 84 and a half rushing yards didn't even come close. So I lost in on that prop. You yeah. would have thought that was a strategy for them against this week. Eagles run defense, but it didn't work. They just went to the passing effort right away. So anyways, three and three 49 and 52 overall in the year. My plays for this week, seven point teas. I had the bills minus two in the hook paired with the chiefs minus two in the hook. Another seven-point teaser with the Bills minus two on the hook. And then the Vikings teased up to plus nine and a half. Titans first half minus two and a half at minus 115. And then I'm with Mike on the Cincinnati Bengals. He got me there. We're going with Cincy minus five. So those are my plays for this upcoming week. And I'll also have some props, which, of course, will be listed in Prop Watch. Also available here on v Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. Uh, Mike, any lasting thoughts in terms of what to look forward to, uh, in terms of any futures bets, anything else you got before we dip out?
1: No, I'm just sweating the Ravens and Steelers. They play each other, so pray for no tie. Pray for no tie.
2: Right. <laughs> Gee, and you And you can't even say that with certainty based on what we've seen this year. It was hilarious because I was talking about the futures in like last week. And I was like, all right, if the commanders uh, win, then I'll look to bet their win total under. And then they ended in a tie. I mean, again, a tie is basically a loss, but it's just like, come on. It's the most NFC East thing to happen. Um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, no ties this week. But he is Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa, where you could follow him on Twitter. As for myself at Danny 5 Best of luck to all of you, ladies and gentlemen. Always appreciate if you like and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy your Sunday slate, and we'll catch up again on Monday. Take care.
0: Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
1: Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard hitting episode today, a lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of
2: those images, they're complicated and they are human.
1: This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation.
2: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo.
0: OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented